for the Winging It Formula One podcast. I'm Freddie Coates, someone who very much enjoyed that Spanish Grand Prix and someone who's very low at the moment and wearing a blanket for reasons that are out of my control. I am joined with Nigel Chu and Adam Dickinson to go through some of our actually really, you know, really happy thoughts from that Spanish Grand Prix. This has not been a pre-prepared introduction, as you can tell. Um, Nigel, how are you? Oh, well, we went to pre-prepared introductions. No, apparently we're supposed to wing it. Um, I did, but I didn't wing it well. I basically failed. Well, that's good, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, how are you? Oh, uh, I'm all right, yeah. You've definitely cheered me up with your low seat, I'll tell you that. Yeah, thank you. Adam, how are you? Are you going to um, enjoy some Schadenfreude or are you going to be kind and sympathetic to my low seat? I, I, I think it suits you, um, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm all right. I don't know, it's been a weird weekend from every aspect, not just having an enjoyable Spanish Grand Prix. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the, the best part is definitely Freddie's low seat and also have, having the blanket on, which is apparently no um, a reason out of his control. It kind of reminds me of the in-betweeners where um, Will has a... Um, bin on his head and he can't take it off because Donovan said he couldn't and it's not in his control but he's wearing something that but Freddie isn't wearing a bin yet he may be standing as Count Bin face in the next election but we will have to find out honestly the way politics is going at the moment but anyway um, to keep um, people viewers listeners in the loop um, to listeners I'll paint an audio description quickly I am in the zoom call um, my head is about um, majority of a foot lower than usual because for some reason we decided it's fine for me to put my laptop on the same prop height to make it good height for the video but recently my chair snapped so I have no chair apart from a camp chair that's 10 pounds from Tesco um, which is about the best part of a foot lower than um, where I normally sit so I basically sit at the table like an eight-year-old boy now and we're rolling with it so that's good um and yes it's very fun um and these guys seem to think it's the best thing since sliced bread which isn't true because sliced bread is amazing um so anyway. do want to sponsor us um and we all sit in camp chairs in the next podcast please um go ahead and tweet us or dm us at winging it f1 and we will accept your chairs and sit in the next episode and give effusive reviews Yes, we are in dying need of a sponsor for this podcast. We've plugged way too many brands. We need to make it a sole brand. Um, whoever wants to sponsor us, like, whatever you are, like, if you're an advert for hair loss or an advert for um, um, actually keeping your hair, who knows, then um, we'll happily use your products and um, give well-rehearsed, very long updates about how much better they are than the Spanish Grand Prix. But the Spanish Grand Prix was amazing. about the Spanish Grand Prix. Yeah, I'm about to watch a cool segue. This the final thing. <laughs> yes, this has already yeah. gone in, mate. We're um, winging it. Yeah, I, I, you've also got in the way of my perfect segue of talking a lot about the Spanish Grand Prix um, and talking positively about the Spanish Grand Prix like we do about hair loss. So the Spanish Grand Prix was, you know, we didn't expect it to be amazing because it's the Barcelona the Catalonia circuit and it's atrocious for overtaking and they changed turn 10 which everyone was going on about them getting rid of an overtaking spot but when was the last time you saw an overtake there anyway but anyway um 
it's like it's not a good track for <laughs> racing and it's been a bore fest apart from when the mercedes took each other out and we knew that wasn't going to happen again because you know it's bottas um but we had a great fight for the win at the front we had hamilton versus verstappen um part four 2021 we've had fights for the lead in every race that's fantastic between the same two drivers it's been fantastic um nigel what, what was your favorite bit well, what I was going to say is we actually hyped it up pretty well. We thought we would get a strategic battle, which is what we got. We thought Ferrari would be better. That's what happened. So I think we did a pretty good job of, you know, saying what would happen. And I definitely agree. I think it was a fantastic race, just like you said. Uh, Verstappen's late, not lunge, his overtaken to turn one on Hamilton was fantastic. It set, set mm -hmm. things up for the rest of the race. And we had a race that was similar to Budapest 2019, similar to Spain 2017 when it was Hamilton versus Vettel. Um, and it, it was brilliant. We had Verstappen and Hamilton going at it all race long or until five or six laps to the end anyway. And, you know, it doesn't get much better than that for me. I, I absolutely loved it. And ultimately, you know, Hamilton came out on top. I think he fully deserved it. Tire management again, uh, you know, <laughs> Why do you keep talking? You're agreeing with it's you. A good, it's a good point. It's yeah. a really good so, point. It was fantastic. And you're right, Hamilton was fantastic. He was fantastic with his tyres. The Mercedes were both brilliant on their tyres, much better on the harder compounds, like you mentioned in the previous podcast, Nigel, than um, Red Bull are. And we had a thrilling strategic battle. It was a sense, it was more than similar to Budapest. It seemed like a carbon copy for a lot of it. Mm. And uh, you had at the uh, at the end, you had three people coming on Lewis's radio to congratulate him. You had Toto Wolf and James Vowles and uh, Bonington. So yeah, it just I think that encapsulated what a team effort it was from Mercedes, apart from Bottas not letting him through. Um, but yeah, I think I think mm. it kind of comes back to what we said last episode that even you know, yes, we kind of weren't excited as excited um, for this as you know, say Bahrain or whatever. Mm, no, I was more excited <laughs> than that. Um, the, it, because it's that because of this season and because we've got this titanic battle between Verstappen and Hamilton, then we can expect these things even from tracks that normally you wouldn't kind of um, earmark as a you know a, a one to watch. That all of the races are potential swinging points in the championship, and yeah, it was. I don't know. It it was the best strategic battle we've had since Bahrain. Um, I guess the only one this season so far, but Mercedes have nailed both of them. And yeah, they've, I don't know, they seem to have um, a bit of an advantage in that. I don't know. Maybe it's Hamilton. Maybe it's being able to work their um, strategy around Hamilton better. I don't know. I guess we'll get onto that. But yeah, I think it is that. From Mercedes. I think it is exactly what you touched on there about the fact they can, um, they can say to um, Hamilton, okay, we have this finite amount of time for you to be inch perfect and supremely quick and they can take the gamble because they can rely on Hamilton it's what we have with Michael Schumacher in the in in the supreme Ferrari years back in the turn of the century and they could just say to Schumacher go and do these qualifying laps and do this completely bonkers fuel strategy and he would do it and he would win and it's the same with Hamilton and they can just say go and do this completely um well on the face of it crazy strategy like oh let's just drop back 20 seconds and hope that by the time we've closed those 20 seconds, we'll still have a tire life to overtake and a track we can't overtake at even when you're faster. And they did it. 
and they they did it together. And the, the strategy, um, Hamilton was better than the strategy said it would be. They said it was they, the prediction from even from the tire offset was that it was going to be a final lap overtake only, and it was the only opportunity they could do because they predicted there was you know a higher chance of an overtake from that on the final lap. Um, according to the computers and the people working well, it was out. Bedford said that, wasn't it? I think that was more to give the staff some encouragement, I think. No, they, they said it. They said it. Toto oh, said it? that the prediction was the final lap. Um, was it? I thought it was Red Bull's team radio. Well, they said it in, they, Red Bull said it in the race as well from their prediction, but Toto Wolf did say on Sky afterwards that they predicted it was going to be the final lap and Lewis did so much better that it was... Yeah, well, Wolf would say that, wouldn't he? <laughs> well, that's why I'm going to report on it. Um, and like Hamilton's so much better than that and made it six laps to go so yeah I don't think they predicted a 1.8 second pace offset mm. yeah. I mean it's weird because I kind of felt it was inevitable that Hamilton would, would get it done I kind of I never felt like Verstappen had it in the bag so yeah I still really enjoyed it I have to say uh, so I don't know it's kind of weird that just because Hamilton is that good on his tyres, as he's shown numerous times now, it was one of those races where only Hamilton could do it, I think. No, not, not even Verstappen could, could execute a race like mm. that. Because to stay within two seconds, one and a half seconds on a track was so difficult to follow on. It's just brilliant. And he didn't put a foot wrong all race at Hamilton. He uh, put Verstappen under pressure when he needed to. We say his, his pit stops were pretty good. It was actually Verstappen who had a slightly slower one. So it was just the, the right strategy after not ideal start executed perfectly, I think. I mean, remember, if you put George Russell into the Mercedes seat, then you get exactly the same result and they win the championship at a canter. Um, I think I heard that it was a um, different Red Bull pit crew or they'd rotated a lot of the pit crew from last week. So it probably needs confirming, but yeah, that could be so know, they, reason they, why. Verstappen wasn't meant to come in. He came in by himself and he caught his team out. So then they were late coming into the pit pit lane and the rear left tire man was like still couldn't put out of the garage when the oh, right. in the box. So yeah, it was kind of Verstappen's fault. I think Helmut Marco said Yeah, he said yeah, it on, on Austrian TV. Yeah, he spoke to Austrian TV directly after the race and said um that um, he had misheard a call, which was probably something like, oh, when do you want the pit, not pit now, that kind of thing. Um, and But I, I, it felt like the right time to pit anyway, based on how Hamilton had completely was swarming him at that point. This is around uh, lap 23, and Hamilton was swarming over Verstappen out of nowhere. I don't know if Verstappen... We didn't see if Verstappen got held up behind a back marker, but it did just look like um, Hamilton was just just had that pace in reserve and just turned it on out of nowhere and got on his tail and scared Red Bull and Verstappen into a pit stop was what it looked like. And I think, well, if it was a dodgy order, dodgy um, uh, dodgy message that made him pit, it was still, you know, triggered so much and for the strategy. And, um, yeah, they, they unfortunately had a slightly slower pit stop and it, I don't know, it didn't change much based on Mercedes strategy, but it would have been a pure overcut for Hamilton. Do you think it was a case of Mercedes had a slightly better car or do you think it was Hamilton who made the difference or a bit of both, perhaps? Well, if it's a, 
I think it's a bit of both in certain situations. I think Mercedes did have a slightly better car over the weekend. Um, if you look at Bottas's late race pace, um, before him and Verstappen both pit, when Verstappen was trying to eke out his tyres but also have as much performance as he could, Bottas was closing in on Verstappen, albeit sporadically, he still was. Um, and so that, that basically just means that, in my opinion, the, the Rebel was a little bit slower just in general, comparatively to the Mercedes. I think Max Verstappen did a fantastic job to only be uh, three hundredths behind Hamilton at qualifying. I think Hamilton's ability to find a way to win, I think I'd probably put that as marginally the more important factor just because I think he seems to be able to do that kind of no matter what car he's, you know, within reason, kind of where the car is in relation to um, the Red Bull, he's kind of able to he's able to get the most out of it. Whereas, you know, we've seen with Bottas that he's, it's even where Mercedes has been faster, they've, he's not been able to maximise his results, I don't think, over the um, panel so far. Yeah, and we've not even mentioned, and I think this deserves a quick mention, Halton did get his 100 pole position. I mean, which yeah. is just remarkable, I think. And he became you know, the first person to win from pole this season. Yeah, and, and I was just thinking, we... Us three have probably off seen pretty much every single one of Hamilton's pole positions on TV, which is kind of mad to think that we've seen a hundred, you know, Hamilton pole up. It's just a mind-boggling number, I think. It's ridiculous. It's when you think about the fact that the, the other um the other competitors with pole positions with Senna and Schumacher are over what 32 away now from Schumacher, 35 yeah. or something, 36 away from Senna. And that's insane. It's so good. It's absolutely phenomenal qualifying <clears throat> speed. And they played an interview on, on their social channels at F1 that they did with it with Lewis um, in the press conference in Montreal for his first ever poll in 2007. And he was saying, I'm not so much of a qualifier. I, I'm normally, you know, top three but and can fight in the race, but qualifying not normally be my strength. Now we're having him down as... He is statistically the greatest qualifier of all time. He's he's qualified on pole for nearly a tenth of all Formula One Grand Prix since 1950. Like, I mean, yeah, maybe there's more opportunity for Grand Prix, but still, he's done that. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. He's a good driver. Yeah, he's fantastic. <laughs> Just a bit. Uh, Adam says it like, oh yeah, it's obvious. <laughs> he's a good driver. Of course, he's got 100 poles. Well, no, I wasn't, I wasn't saying it as in he's a good driver. Therefore, he gets 100. Therefore, every good driver gets 100 poles. It was, yeah, he's a good driver. He is. Yeah, he drives well. He is, he, is, he is good at driving. I think for me, qualifying's not even his strength anymore. Maybe in the past, it is McLaren days it was. But for me, his qualifying is not his strength right now, I'd say. So that makes it even more remarkable, I guess, to, to me. Hmm. I know what you mean. On, um, in 2019, his qualifying was probably one you know, not actually that great. He had, um, he took about probably like four or five poles that year and that was it. Whereas this year he's had, uh, how many poles he had this year? He's had two this year. And um, the Imola qualifying was absolutely stellar. It was fantastic. And that should have been a rebel front row lockout and he got in front of them. And you can just think back, the fact that you can sort of pick out of the hat so many fantastic laps by Hamilton okay. over like, I think to Silverstone 2018, Singapore 2018, um, 
Monaco 2019, Canada 2007. Canada 2008 was amazing. Canada 2017 was um, sort of the, one of the few qualifying sessions where I sort of stood up and gone, that's impossible. Because he just mm. out of nowhere went about eight tenths clear of everyone else on a track where the margins are famously tight. He just pulled something out of yeah. like something out of the hat that was stupid and then got given a center helmet. And it's like this is the most deserved center helmet in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't have anything more to add. Already, already <laughs> okay. said that he's, you know, he's good at driving. What can we say? Nothing. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, another centenary that was happening this weekend was Max Verstappen's first, Max Verstappen's hundredth race for Red Bull. He's only twenty-two, twenty-three, or whatever he is. Like, why is he? Why is he already done a hundred races for Red Bull? He's still only just started. Um, obviously, he took his first race win for Red Bull and his first race at Spain. So it was kind of nice sort of circularity there. If he won, it would have been one at Spain, one hundred at Spain, but it wasn't. Um, and that's just the way it is when you're going up against Lewis Hamilton. Um, do we think um, there was any more Max could do? I know you, you alluded to um, sort of uh, Mercedes having the pace earlier, well, I did. Um, do you think there was any more that Rebel could do? Do you think they should have reacted in a different way to Mercedes' final pit stop, Nigel? In, in short, no. But I feel... Now, this is going to be nitpicking again because that's the type of person I am. I feel Verstappen could have managed the first part of his stint a bit more easily, I think, on his tyres because I don't know if you'll remember last year's Spanish Grand Prix. Hamilton kind of backed the field up. It's like keep everyone within like 20 seconds. So if you wanted to make a stop, you'd come out right in the midfield. Whereas Verstappen kind of legged it today, I, I feel. And Verstappen and Hamilton were in a league of their own again. The safety car gave Verstappen another chance to try and bunch them up. But yet again, they pulled out 10 seconds after like five or six laps. So I can't help but feel whether Verstappen... I don't know if it's because Hamilton was pressurising him or whether Verstappen doesn't have the skill or the like mindset to try and back the... Try to have the confidence to back the field up like Hamilton does sometimes. And keep everything close to that. You can see that would have worked. And, and Hamilton can't undercut him. So that's the only thing I can think of. Do you think that would have worked though? I mean, because that was on the soft tyres. It wasn't on the medium tyres. And on the soft tyres, even if you do back everyone up the rules, everyone's going to need to pit anyway. And yeah, but then you can it doesn't change the future of the you, race. But then you can react because you've saved your tyres a bit more. You've not used them as hard, just like Hamilton did last year. And then you started. They'll say how some pits, then you can really push on or, or whatever. That's the only thing I can think of. Do you think anyone from Red Bull listens to this podcast and just, you know, like, well, they could have done that a bit better and, yeah, the sound quality in there was a bit bad, so, you know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's incredibly difficult, but it is, it's three races now. It's three. How is it 3-1 in terms of race wins to Hamilton? Like, I, I just... Mind blowing, and you know, it could have feasibly been four. You know, he wasn't far away at Imola, I don't think, bar that one slip. But I guess you could say the same for Verstappen, but yeah, it just, could, I don't yeah. know, it, it beggars belief, really. Um, and he's only two years older than Freddie. So, Freddie, how many Red Bull races have you done? 
What are you playing at? Oh, well, I did um, none, unfortunately. <laughs> um, it is really <laughs> irritating when they start the F3 race and they go, look at this average age of 19 on this field of 30 racing car drivers, all at the height of their careers, and you're there as a 21-year-old going, ha, 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 wow, they're all such children. I am not anymore. And it's great. They're all rich like you as well. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if, 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 um, if we'd spent money on motor racing, we'd have made it past the first round. They're bloody rich, these people. <laughs> oh, I just remembered I'm 20. I still thought I was 19. So it's been a sad realisation for me. Wow. What have you been doing? <laughs> Forgetting your age. <laughs> I don't, I've not had to use it. I've had to be over 18 for things, but other than that, I've not like had to know my date of birth in a while. <laughs> probably my birthday. Probably my birthday was the last time it was of importance. So that was two months ago, nearly now. Yeah, I thought Verstappen at one point in the race, it was going to be similar to his 2016, his first win when he held off Raikkonen. Except this time it was Hamilton and Mercedes, which is a bit, bit more, bit more of a stiff, stiffer opposition. So. Uh, yeah, but in the end, it turned out, just like we said before, to be like Hungary 2019 rather than Spain 2016. But other than me nitpicking at strategy, I don't think there was much Verstappen could have done because ultimately he did take the lead. He had trap position and, you know, he, he feels that Red Bull don't have a fast, fast enough car. That's, that's what he said after the race. Uh, so we'll just have to see whether, you know, Red Bull can find some bit over the next few races. But that said, Red Bull was seven tenths slower than Mercedes last year in qualifying. This year they basically matched them. So they've made a massive improvement on a track that has traditionally been in Mercedes' favour. So yes, they didn't win today, but I think there's a lot of positives they can take. So yeah, not too bad. I think the interesting thing is all eyes on Monaco. We have no idea which of these cars is going to be a Monaco car. Because the characteristics have been so Williams. similar. <laughs> it's going to be really windy in the harbour. Williams would be awful. Um, I think the characteristics have been so hard to draw. Like normally you can at least sort of tell, oh, they're good in this bit, bad in this bit. They've been so level that it's just going to be the same for the next however many races. Like we've got Monaco and Baku coming up. They can be more, they can be like the same and so different in different parts of the track. It's going to be a brilliant little dice and we say this all the time but how spoiled we are at the moment for this um this championship fight it's still only two drivers in four races have finished in first and second and it's still the top two in the championship and they have now got a 44 point lead in the championship i think above third placed valtteri bottas um who's had the best run in three podiums and a crash um, behind them three third places in a crash and that's it to be third whereas you've got three seconds in a win and three wins in a second for the other one other two yeah. still only 14 points between them so it, yeah it's everything to play for i've got one last message for said viewer if you're not enjoying this year's f1 watch a different sport because honestly it won't get much better than this yes it yes obviously there's things that can be improved but you're not going to get the two top drivers in the sport going at it race after race weekend after weekend lap after lap you know so if you're not enjoying it 
I'm trying not to swear. Go go away. Let's still listen to our podcast. Might as well do a public service announcement for everyone who's rated that race a one out of ten in someone's comment section or something on Facebook. Because why? Because it was one of the tensest races for a long time. Um, as was Hungary 2019, which is rated by many as the best race of um, that year, um, according to Sky. Um, trying to make a tense camping joke, but I can in time. So this is just a <laughs> fill up on that. Um, we're going to move on to the other side of the Mercedes garage. Valtteri Bottas finished third. Um, made life a little bit tricky for Lewis Hamilton. He um, was told a couple of times, don't hold him up which is kind of code, it's political way of saying get out of the way, but he wasn't explicitly told to get out of the way. They never told Lewis that um, he was um, going to be given the place either. It was kind of expected that there was racing, but it, it seems in the Mercedes garage, but it seems like, why would you do that? Why would that be the case? Why are you racing each other if all you're trying to do is build a gap to Leclerc? You can just do that a little bit later on you're not you're not in you know clutching at every single last millisecond to close in for the race win uh Valtteri so just be a team player imagine if ever... didn't catch Verstappen though by like one second that would have cost <laughs> Hamilton massively that mm. you know Bottas I can't I can't imagine what the post-race debrief would have been but it didn't cost him in the end but I'll tell you, I did hold my breath when it went side by side into turn 10. I thought they touched. I honestly yeah. thought they touched. Because it's the, the, I'm not used to watching that corner yet. Because yeah. you kind of expect it to go tighter. And then it didn't. And you're like, oh my God, he's, he's misjudged it. They've straightened up. Oh my God, they're going to hit each other. And they didn't. So, oh, whoa. It was, it was drama that Hamilton didn't need at that stage in the race. As good as the race finish was, part of me really wanted, or look in hindsight, really wants to see the alternate universe where they do crash and just see the explosion (laughs) that hits Bossas square in the chest because that, oh God. Bossas, who was defended so, Bossas, who was defended so vehemently by his, by Toto Wolf and to be fair, by himself in press conferences all over the weekend about rumours about Russell and Bottas being, it being his last season. Um, who knows? No one knows about that. But anyway, um, it's like, oh, oh, yeah, imagine. Yeah, it's all right, if, Adam. I'm sure Drive to Survive, when they, when Hamilton and Bottas do get close, like really close, they'll, they'll find a way to like make them explode or something when they get close. <laughs> If you were like, oh, look at Bottas deliberately giving Verstappen a toe so Bottas can qualify third so he can take the lead of the Russian Grand Prix and then then he did win, but only because Hamilton got a penalty. Yeah, it was it was all the plan. Oh, uh, I, I hope yeah, they do that. Just, I don't know, one of them lands in like Portugal and one in Italy or something. I don't know, there's, there's plenty of ways you can go with it. Um, My God, Wutterstein! It feels like Bottas... As I know, it's I don't kind of care what he does on the circuit. It, it's it like all of the stuff around him is about his you know future at Mercedes and all the off track stuff and him in relation to Russell and everything. And it's like I don't know, he he just doesn't seem to be 
ever in the you know ever kind of fighting for the i know he qualified on pole last time but he was you know out of the race wing contention kind of relatively yeah. early i don't it's know weird. He's, he's doing a good job i think yeah I he is that's the thing more, you know? yeah mm. he doesn't he's not he's, he's you say he's not in wing contention but like he was within six seconds of the win until like five laps from the end in portugal really before he had his whatever his um is a, a sensor issue, maybe 10 laps from the end. He was, yeah, he was within reasonable distance from the race lead. And today he was matching the pace of, well, faster than the race leader in the later stages of the race on a matching strategy to the race leader because he pissed on the same lap. So it's, he's doing all the right things just in the wrong point. And it's similar to Perez really in that regard, in that Bottas is doing better than Perez because Bottas can qualify in third. And when he's got the race pace and he's in clear air, he's doing brilliantly. But they both got stuck behind slower cars today, which meant that they were out of contention. And mm. that, that took them out of it. Because if, they, if they'd started third and fourth bottles in Paris, they probably would have been in contention. Because looking at the pace later on in the race, they probably could have stuck with Max and Lewis at the start based on everything else. And it's just there seems to be all these little things that they can't overcome. The Bottas definitely can't overcome in the way that, um, to be fair, the greatest driver of all time can overcome. It's like if Bot- if Hamilton wasn't in that seat, Bottas would be fantastic. That's the thing. It just it, yeah, it just feels really strange because he's like we previously it's him that's kind of talked about as like oh who went out of Hamilton and Bottas or you know it's kind of that last season that was kind of the um, storyline at a few races or. It, it just feels weird that he's kind of slipped so far and so quickly out of relevancy, you know, as, as kind of one of the main headlines on a race weekend. I think that's all. It's it's just strange. It's it's strange. No, nothing's, nothing's changed for me. I don't think... I don't, mm. yeah, the way I see Bottas, nothing's changed in terms of how I think he'll do. Nothing's changed in terms of his actual performance on track. So... You know, I don't. I don't think he's doing anything wrong. So, so yeah, but I mm. think it's just it's just steady. There's nothing like massively impressive, but he's doing all of the right things. He just, you know, he, he is up against Hamilton. not in the wrong order. No, um, yeah, yeah I think three first places is yeah. Exactly. yeah. That's, that's I think good. it's it, it's just kind of like coming into the weekends. He'd normally be the person. Um, it, you know, it'd be him, and then it'd be Hamilton who we're focusing on to see, you know, as, as the main yeah. challenger. And I think that's, I think it's just that, that there's, you know, whether whether or not he kind of disappointed in being able to challenge for the race when he was, you know, kind of the driver, I guess you looked out for at more weekends than not last season for that. And yeah, I think it, uh, it, it just feels a bit strange, that's all. I think it's just the driver he's up against, actually. Just, he's up against Hamilton. He is, and we've waxed lyrical about him. We were going on about his qualifying earlier today um, and in this episode for so many obvious reasons. And it's just a really, I mean, Bottas is one podium away from the top 10 list of all-time podiums. That's... <laughs> no way, is he? Yeah, that he is. unbelievable. No like, way. Because <laughs> he, he can get the points, and, you know. That's why Red Bull are behind Mercedes and the constructors because Bottas is getting points, you know, and he's doing kind of solid stuff. So, yeah, I'm not really funny. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know when I mean, you're in the when for a lot of your 
career or you've had a fair few years at Mercedes, which is, you know, at times been the best car by some margin. Yeah, it, it's like surprising to hear that, but then you think about it and it's actually, it, it, I don't know, it it's makes not, sense. Yeah, he's done the job for five years at Mercedes. Um, he's, he he's is still cracking Nigel up. He is in 12, joint 12th on the list, um, matching Nigel Nelson, Mansell. Nelson he's got PK. a higher, Nelson PK, he's got a beat. He's got a higher percentage than um, both PK and Mansell in terms of podiums. Actually, to be fair, David Coulthard's ninth on that list, so let's not talk about them as like fantastic drivers. Um, anyway, eight. <laughs> uh, enough digs at David Coulthard. Um, let's move to fourth place man Charles Leclerc. Wow, great, really uh, good. He was running first for twenty laps. Well, yeah, once again, just you know, and, and I think with his qualifying as well, the track got slower in Q three in the second part. Yeah, he set his best lap to get the second row on the grid. He set it on his second lap, so I think that made it even more impressive than normal. And then, yeah, his move around the outside of Bottas. Uh, Fernando Alonso-esque from 2013. Just I knew you were going to say that. There to get around the outside. He held him off as well. He, he you know, it, it took strategy and an undercut, was it? Or oh, no, God, I can't remember. It took, it took some kind of strategy to for to be beaten by Bottas, so... Yeah, Leclerc absolutely maximised everything from the car. I think the strategy is what I want to talk about because um, it was a. It felt a bit like Ferrari. Um, they they um they stayed out and pitted when Hamilton pitted, whereas Bottas pitted on the lap Verstappen pitted, which is from a separate battle. It's completely bizarre that they had a five lap gap between the pit stops, and I don't know if it was because Ferrari were. Um, so consigned to just running their own race, not worrying about. Bottas and just getting the minimum race time in there um, and the, the best lap for them to pit them was lap 28 not lap 23 or 24 to cover off Bottas because which feels like the logical thing to do for the podium but it feels like the only reason for them not to have done that to fight to you know match Bottas and try and hold them back for the podium is so that they can just get a solid fourth place and fit and fight off the threat from Perez behind and maybe get well, 12 points rather than 10 points, rather than go for glory of 15 and a, and a trophy. I feel like that's the only way I can think of for them to or to, or to counteract the Bottas fast. I think that was yeah. like the plan. So I think they just went as long as they could to try and make the second stint a bit shorter, if possible. So I they, think, I think there was... Tried to do. I did mention this to um, Taib, actually, who we've had in the podcast before, but um, we discussed this on Twitter. And whether it was to avoid um, a to to cover off sort of a two stop from Bottas, they can stay as close as possible if Bottas does a two stop and limit him getting a fastest lap in the end. But Bottas did that anyway, came out five seconds behind Leclerc and just passed him. So they tried that and that failed. So they just then went for a fastest lap themselves to Ferrari. So I think it might have been sort of mitigating against Bottas, but also running their own race. Um, it just seems like an uncompetitive strategy, but a sort of, you know, strashy by numbers one. But nevertheless, Leclerc, outstanding, I think, you know, just, I mean, it's what we come to expect almost, but even, even when it still happens, I think, you know, you, you have to praise it. I mean, the, you can't, we can't ignore it, can we? So, yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, it's just phenomenal. I absolutely 
adore Recoil's driving style. Well, he did mm. race for Alfa Romeo, so we can try. Um, but yeah, I, it's just the way he improves every season. And we said it last season, and he's doing it this season again, that he's not stood still at all. He's every season and every race, seemingly, he is improving. And yeah, it's when he does get back into a you know, race-winning car, it's going to be something to watch because whether Hamilton's still around at that point or whether it's Verstappen or whether whether there's no competition, whether he's kind of the, the out-and-out favourite, he is going to be some competition. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. he's... I was going to say, like we said before, I have thoughts on Ferrari, you know, doing well. Leclerc has done us wonders. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Adam's right about saying when he's in a competitive car because he was still seven tenths off in um, qualifying, which is um, actually a bigger gap than you've got used to to qualifying. Um, I don't know why you're both laughing. Have I missed something? Because I was looking at qualifying results. Freddie said I was right. It's happy, happy days. Yeah, I know. We're not disagreeing on this podcast at all. We're doing quite well. You never do um, that. We never disagree about anything. There's never any <laughs> controversy at all. Um, but yeah, you're right. When, when Leclerc's car is in contention for a win, and who knows, maybe it will be at some point this year. We don't know. Um, what whoa, Ferrari are you going to do? That can... whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Haha, I've completely changed it there. Now we are disagreeing. Um, or I'm just being um, crazy. Um, but I've completely lost my train of thought, and we're going to move on to Sergio Perez. Right. <laughs> Move on to Sergio Perez finishing fifth. Um, worst performance for him in the entire rebel seat for me. I, I, to be honest, I think I mean, he's even Gasly was doing better than this. I wonder if Rebel regret not hiring Fiat back personally. No, I'm joking. <laughs> bring back Christian. They should have had Fiat. They should have had him over. Ah, bring back Christian and and. Sergio Perez. And Vitantonio Liuzzi. He did four races for Red Bull in 2005. Come on, Vitantonio. Yeah, it's just... What's the question, sorry? Do you think this is Perez's worst performance at Red Bull? Uh, weekend performance, yes. Yeah, I'd say so. Got a 25% chance. <laughs> if you just throw, throw a dart in it, then you've got a twenty-five percent chance. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, as as we and Freddie mentioned just before we started recording, he did have an injury, didn't he? So, I'm not sure how much that affected him, whether it did at all. But nevertheless, it wasn't great. What? <laughs> he had muscle pains in his shoulder, um, and he said yesterday he, after qualifying that that's what was kind of getting getting to him was making it a bit harder for him but not to seven tenths of a second eight tenths of a second from your teammate not to seven positions six from your teammate um and when he said he did yesterday that he was going to be 100 percent today um i don't know i mean we didn't really get to see him in clean air so for too much of it if he had got past ricardo early he could have pressured bottas for the podium but he didn't and he was behind ricardo for what 55 laps yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Qualifying just put him on the back foot, really, because we know how hard it is to overtake around. Spain. He had a great start, so. he had a great start. He made up two places at the start, not like on the not at the first corner either. It was by clever positioning of his car through turn three and four, and he was able to slide through a few cars really well. And he did a fantastic job there. 
well, and he took advantage when he could. And it's just, it took him a bit of time to get through Ricardo. And when he did do a fantastic move, it was a fantastic move. But yeah. Um, I think it's yeah. a one off personally. I do think it's a one off. I, th- I think we're still waiting for that kind of breakthrough Perez performance over a weekend. Obviously, we had his qualifying at Imola, mm. but we've, it's kind of been expecting Perez to kind of be in that fight and be being able to be a factor in the um, Hamilton versus Verstappen fight. We've not really had that yet. And I think uh, definitely me and Nigel, I can't remember, Freddie did as well, um, predicted Perez on our podiums. And yeah, it's just, I don't know, he, he still, I, I think and probably isn't the conversation for now, but it'd be interesting to compare him to the other drivers that have changed teams because, you know, none of them have kind of hit the ground running i mean sites has done pretty well but you know there's kind of been that aspect as well and i don't know how much that's impacting his performance but yeah there's still a bit to be desired from Perez, and i think it will come um you know to be honest he's a very good driver but it's just not there yet yeah he is a fantastic driver and he's proved that in the past and we're going to monica where he has got a podium in the past so who knows maybe he'll switch it on um to verstappen's level there it is such a track that you've got to be at one with the car and if he wasn't at one with it this weekend then who knows but yeah I think Adam I think you're right there I think it, there will be a a light switch moment and a few Grand Prix probably um, but there will probably be a few races like this as well it will probably be a bit sporadic I think um, mm. um, there's something I want to talk about because I found this incredibly exciting and incredibly amazing and it was when they broadcast Toto Wolf speaking to the FIA in the middle of the race. I thought that was so cool. I'm really happy with that level of engagement on the TV. And we're going to get hopefully get that a lot more often because that was just a whole new element to the race. Like they normally say, oh, he's, we've spoken to race control about this uh, on the radio to the driver. But now we've got the radio to race control. That was really cool. I thought when I heard that. It was really confusing because it came up, I believe, with Hamilton. So I thought it was a message from, I mean, Hamilton. And it didn't. Really it's, confused. It said FIA and Mercedes on a picture. And half of it was blue and half of it was green. I don't know what they said on, to you on the radio if they thought it was Hamilton. No, it wasn't that. It was on the highlight that it came up oh, as the Hamilton radio message. So I thought Toto was caught saying it to Hamilton, which really threw me off. Because I was like, why is it like Hamilton knows he's driving the thing? Like, how does that? But then they said it in commentary, so it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's it's fascinating and it's kind of another insight that we are getting that's very fun it's nice as fans to be able to see that and hopefully we get i don't know someone blowing up at the fia that'd be quite fun to listen to well i mean if we had that if you had that for mexico 2016 then it would have been a whole different kettle of fish for that for that um uh that sort of hmm, breakdown for vettel in that race um where he said a lot of choice words to the fia personally over his own team radio um, would have been, it would have, oh that would have been quite interesting to have that for Bahrain this year to hear the Red Bull um mm. message about track limits earlier but sorry Freddie no that's that's yeah. a better example that's really good um yeah without going too off topic it would be great to hear like in Formula or other series you hear the race director saying the messages to the drivers or the teams I think that would be good in F1 but that's another topic I think <laughs> I don't know if they have a um uh, dri- uh, race control to all drivers um, in Formula One. I just don't know if they do, because like they do in Formula E, and they do in sports car racing. You can just 
go, oh, we're going to have a safety car in three, two, one. Here it is, virtual safety car kind of thing. And then they, they know when it's going to be. It doesn't take them by surprise. Um, I remember um, hearing some anecdote from David Coulthard about them trialling driver-to-driver radio. And it was, they didn't bring it in because I can't remember which try. Was it Hakkinen? I can't remember, but with he said one, the the drivers would, or specifically one, was just going, go, I'm behind you and stuff like that. <laughs> so, but that's the next step for me. Having, oh, having... That's the best thing ever. Oh, you went wide there. That's what it would be like, though. Be like just having an argument for so long during a race. Don't take you. <laughs> you went over track limits. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. No, Crash. Didn't. Yeah, you did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what it would be. It would be really good. Um, and this is the start of a petition, which by liking this YouTube video, you can sign. So by liking this YouTube video and clicking subscribe, you've got to do both. And you've got to do it on the audio platforms and the social media platforms by following us. That means that that could happen. And then we'll send you a link to the petition. Yes, maybe. If, if, probably not. If we Um, make it. If we make it. Um, Right, so now it's time for a interesting part of the podcast that we do every week. Every week we, we like to wax lyrical about a team we never speak about for obvious reasons. And that team is Alfa Romeo, the most innocuous team on the Formula One grid. So we're going to start our latest rendition of the pessimism stakes the title of this segment by talking about a pit stop for antonio giovanazzi underneath the safety car where um his tire was nearly put on the car completely deflated for some weird strange reason and it was just weird as heck um <laughs> you don't say can... that leclerc drove for alfa romeo or alfa tauri earlier you said romeo oh, okay um, that's good don't worry um, that wasn't was. the start of the pessimism stakes. Um, but yeah, this really weird situation occurred. So, uh, Giovinazzi came into pit um, under the safety car to sort of, you know, try something a bit different, maybe go really long and make a make a one-stop work from lap eight, so a two-stop, basically. Um, but yeah, that's what they were doing because they started on fresh softs and apart from Raikkonen, so Giovinazzi did. Um, and they just wanted to get, you know, a feel for something different. And what happened? A 35-second pit stop, because when they went to put the tyre on, it was just, you just hit it, and it sort of went in on itself, because it had no air in it. And well done to the mechanic for realising it, because the rim is what weighs everything. So, hats off than figuring it out. But Nigel and I were talking about how the hell could this happen? And it, I can only think about it coming down to sort of the raw mechanics of sort of when they inflate the tyre. There's like, I don't know, maybe like a stone or something, or, or a safety pin or a paper clip caught in a little bit they got a little little cut because there was no big vicious slice in the tire it just looked like either it got a little bit of a puncture it just wasn't put on the rim properly but anyway um after a few laps Giovinazzi was already back past the hatters and was fighting with the Williams and even with that issue he got to the end of the race and he finished in something like um 16th place, I want to say, maybe 17th, and Raikkonen finished 12th. So he actually has a, a very good result for Raikkonen at the end of the race um, to be probably about, I think it was probably about five or six seconds off points. So fair play to Raikkonen. Mm. Yes, yeah. Yeah. optimistic <laughs> uh, pessimism stakes. I mean, we've already had a sandwich bag take care of Alonso's uh, debut or return this season. So yeah, maybe it was just, I don't know, 
someone dropped a butter knife on the tyre and gave it a little cut and that was that. Yeah, on Riker, I will say, I think, I think I've said it a few times before, his performances do go under the radar and nobody notices how good they are. Yes, he's not scoring points, but you know he manages to get the best out of the ties, uses his experience. No, nobody notices, unfortunately. I feel like <laughs> no one notices his bad performances either, though. Like there are a few at the well, end of last, last, last season that I can't remember. Yeah. Well, yeah, when it's obvious. But um, like there are a few last season that just weren't great, and I can't remember them because they were so unnoticeable. So I feel like no one just notices his performances generally, and hence the pessimism stakes. Um, Yes. we now discuss about what, what, why so we, we can, brought this in this why we brought this podcast. segment into the podcast so we can deliberately go on and on and on and on and on about Alfa Romeo um, and we have done and we fulfilled that in the quota and ignored a lot of other teams in the process so that means for 2021 we're going 2022 we're going to need an entirely different team and an entirely different level of stake um, but anyway we're getting ahead of ourselves there um, <laughs> way ahead um, Nigel, I believe you would like to talk about Yuki Sonoda. He um, hasn't had a good weekend, really. I hasten to add, maybe not had a good weekend since Bahrain. I was about to say um, that. He qualified in 16th place, went out in Q1, just on pace, not with a crash this time or anything. And he was incredibly critical of the team saying to the press that he thought maybe Gasly had a different car to him. Now, you can't he's... drive. They're not two-seaters. So you can't have the same car as your teammate. Yes. I've noticed that before. And for Adam to bring that up means we can clarify that um, what he means is entirely different on an engineering level. Um, and now Adam is going to retire from the Winging It podcast because we've handed him his notice of forced resignation. Um, for that. <laughs> uh, Nigel, no, I think, yeah, I think it's weird because a couple of races ago, I, I remember seeing an Alpha Tauri press release and Snowdor saying, "Oh, me and Gasly do have similar." <laughs> we have, as we have he has turned his camera off and he has left the podcast. That's good. Yeah. I was tempted to leave the meeting, but I thought that could backfire. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Snowdor and Gasly, they were saying that they actually give similar feedback. It was kind of, I find it quite funny that now Snowdor said, "Oh, we don't give." Uh, the same feedback. So, you know, I think it's clearly on him and his mistake in qualifying. I think he went wide at turn 12 or something, turn one, turn 12. So it was his own fault. And you're absolutely, you're absolutely, absolutely right, Freddie. He hasn't performed since Bahrain. And, you know, I, I just hope it's not a case of he's coming to F1 too early. He's had this expectation, had all this hype and that, you know, he, he does start to mature a little bit. You know, we're not expecting him to mature straight away, but you, you got to start, you know, showing that that kind of intelligence, that smartness that he did show in F2. I mean, we've never seen... In F2, I don't remember him being so vocal, so animated uh, on the team radio or, or, or in interviews. But now, since he's got into F1, he, he kind of changed a bit. I, I, don't, I don't want to say it's changed for the worst, but I, it's not it's not the best attitude to have, I don't think, especially for a rookie. It does feel yeah. a bit like um, he he um, 
has got let a lot of it get under his skin. He's getting a bit overwhelmed by Formula One. And yeah, you can't come into Formula One, obviously. You can't join a team like Alpha Tauri and be a superstar and win in the way that he did in, in Formula Two. He came into Carlin in Formula Two and was able to be competitive from the Austrian Grand Prix weekend. And that's just not how it works in Formula One, unfortunately. And I don't know if he's, he's had a bit of a rude awakening in, a, in just sort of the change of mindset to sort of fight for 11th or 10th. Um, but yeah, he, he obviously rates what he's saying very highly and thinks he's um, such an asset to the team. So kind of, yeah, start to prove it in the, in the track, Yuki. Like, yeah, I mean, it, he, has, he has apologised, but for me, the true apology will be if he does it again. If he doesn't do it again over the next couple of months or whatever, and yeah, you know, he's right. But if he does it again next race, then it doesn't matter what you put put out on social media or, or whatever. So the, the true test is whether he can bounce back from it um, and whether he can start to perform, start to mature a bit over the next few races. Mm, I, I, I don't think it is too early for him because I think, you know, drivers go, need to go through that learning process and there's only so much that F2 can teach you. So, you know, it, it is a step up and... We perhaps sometimes forget, um, you know, the step up off the track and, you know, in everything you say and do is kind of micro-analyzed when you're in F1. So, yeah, I, I just think it's a it's a learning process for him. And like you say, it'll be, you know, the, the test will be how he bounces back from this. I think he'll have a good weekend um, at Monaco, but that's just a hunch and we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But I, I, I really hope he turns it around because he's such a talented driver. Yeah, he, he's um he's only a twenty year old kid to be honest, and um so, yeah, exactly. We guys, I'm nineteen. We guys, Adam's Adam's four, and we make tons of mistakes like on the daily. So we don't have a camera thrust in our face. <laughs> after we've had bit, a really just dis- harsh, you know. I mean, Adam's making one now with his catch. No, this isn't a mistake. This is a good thing actually. So. <laughs> well, we 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 um we aren't exactly the most polished presenters. Um, as you can probably tell, um, based on the fact that it's taken us 50 years to say any point ever, and um, oh, the and the and the um then, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness me, um, there we go. Oh god, I'm so self-conscious now at this point. We're not exactly the most polished people ever, and we don't have cameras thrust in our face as soon as we've had something that really bad happen to us such as qualified badly we've never had that spotlight and we we um you know we kind of never will so we're a bit lucky in that regard and kind of an unrelatable perspective but yeah um like adam says he, he's he's an incredibly good driver um i don't know if he will bounce back in monaco but the alpha tauri historically has gone okay as toro rosso at monaco so maybe they'll be back to their sort of earlier season form with the car and they can get some um, good results. But it's his qualifying where he needs to pick up and it's his qualifying where you are going to need to do well straight away in Monaco. So Monaco is the, the true test of this. Mm. Although Freddie did have a um, on-camera incident when he was covering the election, local elections on Thursday. So, you know, sometimes you do have cameras into your face when things go badly, even if you are um, able to edit out of year old, 20 wrong year old journalism students and not 20 year old F1 drivers. To be fair to the um, 
to the clip that Adam is mentioning that you can go and view on my TikTok. Um, it um, had was actually out of my control and was a passerby shouting something whilst I was actually presenting incredibly perfectly. That was I mean, one man. of the times where I got the lines okay. The other 20 shots um, weren't included. <laughs> yeah, but you know, the electrics failure wasn't um, Sonoda's fault either. It's also his birthday in two days, so two days. happy birthday, Yuki. Happy birthday, Yuki. Nigel, wish him happy birthday. Okay, Nigel. Wish him a sad birthday. Happy birthday, Yuki. There, that was sad birthday Wishing to Nigel. Yuki Sonoda, happy birthday. Shall we move on? Uh, yes, we're going to um, move very, very swiftly onto the Federation International, the Lost Mobile Formula 3 World Championship, round one, which came to us from sunny and today slightly cloudy as well, Barcelona. Um, we had some good races, we had some good performances, um, winging it, F1's favourite. Well. <laughs> winging it, F1's favourite driver. Matteo Nanini had a hell of a weekend. He um, was on the podium in the feature race. He was fighting for the win and the podium in the second sprint race. And we love him because he's doing F2 and F3 because why not? Just do it. Go crazy. Be both just, champion in both. And he's going to I would to just be. like to say he's not my favourite driver in this series. but No, he's um, not my favourite either. He's the podcast's favourite. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, Den Dennis Alger looked good. I know he got taken out in the... Uh, second race but he looked like he'd really taken a step forward from where he was last year and kind of fulfilling his potential I think because he seemed like he had this in him and it, as we said it didn't come together um, but yeah he did well Clement Novelac who was a favourite um, until he turned French um, also did well Rafael Villagomez didn't have the best start to his um, F3 career but me and Freddie have interviewed him, so nothing he does can be bad. So well done, Rafael. Oh, he was really bad. Week. No. <laughs> Nasty to him. He was he was, oh. he'll improve. Good, yeah, he really. probably will. He's just... probably, well, his only, only way is up, to be fair. Um, I was yeah, impressed he... with Logan Sargent for actually doubling Chiruza's 2020 points tally in one race weekend. <laughs> um, that was very good. One race. Um, <laughs> yeah. So hats off to Logan Sargent because I hugely rate him. Nigel, does anyone flag themselves out to you? Uh, I did not watch it, Freddie, so I cannot give a fair judgment or call on what happened in the F3. That seems a good enough place as any to end the podcast. So, thanks very much, everybody, for <laughs> tuning in to this rather sporadic and rather rather delirious, as these race post-race podcasts tend to be, um, podcast for the Spanish Grand Prix. Um, we really enjoyed the race. We hope you did too. We hope you maybe even enjoyed this podcast. I can smell burning now, so I really probably should go and deal with that. I don't know what it is. It's really worrying. Um, follow us all on Twitter. Follow us all on Spotify and YouTube. Um, have fun. Goodbye, everyone.